This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Stealth 2, Stealth 2 Plus, and Stealth 2 HD Carbon Woods. Designed with more carbon for more forgiveness. Learn more at TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Well, good morning. Welcome to a Wednesday edition of GTC Week. Scully Zacchino, we're all here. I thought we were going to be in a more celebratory mood this morning. Everyone anticipating a one nothing lead in the second round of the NHL playoffs. But instead, we go down a game. The Leafs are down a game at home. I don't know, boys. Did you watch the game? I, I mean, this style of play to me looks like it should be right in the Leafs' wheelhouse. I mean, I barely saw defense played last night. I think I tweeted out, I, I think I woke up in 1987, and all of a sudden, I mean, it was just back and forth, back and forth, and we come up on the short end of the stick in this one, and I don't know, I'm, I'm nervous, guys. I mean, if we can't win a series like this, forget it, Bob. Well, don't forget, we lost the first game last time. And I think there was some stat that six of the eight first-round series, the winners lost the first game or something. So I have lots of faith yet. And, and, and you said there wasn't much hitting. I, I disagree with the uh, one major hit that Luke Shen put on to Chuck. That was like just pounded him through the, <laughs> into there, the third there row. Was that hitting. was good, but you're right. There it, was was mostly, it was mostly skating, freewheeling. Yeah. The- and there was hitting, but I. But there was to me there was very little defense. There was hitting, there was skating, there was shooting. It was free willing, but it wasn't like I mean, watching that Tampa series at times it looked like there was no space on the ice at all. Scully, like watch it, I'm like there's no space at any time. And then flipping over, watching Game Seven of Boston and Florida, which by the way was the only game I watched in that series. The first thing that came to my mind when I watched that series in the first period was. Wow, there's so much space on the ice in this in this Florida-Boston game. And to me, that kind of translated over to game one of Leafs Florida. There's space everywhere. And I, I think the Maple Leafs, for them, the, the real summary of their night came on one of the first shifts when Austin Matthews had a partial breakaway, took a shot, and it hit Sergei Bobrovsky right on the shaft of his stick. And now the goalie in me, that all that means is that the goalie is on the proper angle. If it hits the dead knot, the shaft of the stick <laughs> above the paddle, that means he is on point. Now the Leafs had a lot of grade A scoring chances, those two power plays seven minutes into the game, a host of great chances in the third period as well. Not sure if Sergei Bobrovsky or Bobrovsky, as Jay Onright likes to say, and Andre Vasilevsky changed identities because Sergei Bobrovsky was remarkable last night. And as good as he was, uh, Samsonov couldn't make the big saves when they needed to. I've been all over TJ Brody throughout these playoffs. I don't think he was very good last night. I wouldn't be surprised if the Maple Leafs go back to that 11-7 and formation, 11 forwards and 7 uh, defensemen. I did see something funny on Twitter, though. The seventh game of the Maple Leafs postseason run. Of course they lost. Come on. That's the way it's been for so long now, right? (laughs) I never put that together. I like that. That's good. That is good. Okay, well, we got, for a Wednesday edition, we got a very busy show. Brian Crawford, Terminate Director, RBC Canadian Open. Monster announcements this week that we've been all over. Bob went one-on-one with Brian. Great stuff. If you didn't hear it, we're going to get to that today. So if you were all concerned about quality of field, etc., the RBC Canadian Open, we put that to bed this week. 
Okay, so we're going to do that. Uh, Jim Furyk the, has been announced captain of Team USA. Uh, he'll take uh, that squad into Royal Montreal next year to take on the international team, which, of course, will be head up by our own Mike Weir. So we're all excited about that. Bob had a chance to talk to Jim. We're going to run that interview. we got the Wells Fargo coming up. So we'll give you a FanDuel TSN Edge preview of the Wells Fargo. And it's a very different golf course. I mean, we're coming out of go shoot 24 under and go hit it anywhere you want into what might be removing the majors from the equation. This might be the biggest first shot golf course on the PGA Tour, which makes a lot of sense as to why Rory McIlroy is plus 700 and the hands down favorite. Uh, not just the style of golf, but obviously the success he's had here at Quail Hollow over the years, because it's a first shot golf course. You need to be one of the greatest drivers of the golf ball in the world. And I will contradict myself again today, as I did this afternoon on TSN TV with one of my picks, because I'm just going hunching instead of actual uh, what you should be doing, which is going horses for courses. But we'll get into that as well. Uh, lots of Twitter conversation. Phil and Colt Nose poking back and forth. I had a hard time following the conversation, as I do. My brain was getting scattered, reading them going back and forth. But we'll get into that. And it's, again, we're right back to the, well, you have to do this. And no, nobody has to do anything, guys. You bought your ticket. You knew what you were getting into. You went to live. The rules were the rules. Are they likely going to adjust things as we move along? Yes. Is it a slow-moving ship in the world of golf with majors and the official world golf rankings? Yes. Are we going to likely land somewhere different in a year to two than we are right now? Yes. But it ain't going to be what you want. It's going to look like a corn fairy tour point list. So we'll get into that. But no one has to do anything. But Busy, busy show. Let's hit it with some news and some headlines. News and headlines are brought to you by Sandbagger Hard Seltzer. Sandbagger. Everybody knows one. Well, Rory McIlroy skipped the RBC Heritage, a designated event. Very uh, controversial decision. He gets dinged $3 million. This is the first time we've heard from Rory since he is reappearing after that decision. Uh, before we get into it, let's hear from Rory McIlroy on his decision to skip the RBC Heritage. A needed break for me, just I think, obviously after the disappointment of, uh, of Augusta and then it's been a pretty taxing 12 months mentally. Um, so it was nice to just try to disconnect a little bit and um, get away from it. But, you know, it's nice to come back and feel refreshed and yeah, I think we're on a pretty, you know, pretty busy run here from from now until after the playoffs. So, um, you know, I'm ex excited to get going. Mentally and emotionally, was it taxing on you that warranted the break? Yeah, um, yeah. I think just um, you know a combination of a few things, and I think just after you know the disappointment of of Augusta and, and how I played there, it was just. I just, I think just, yeah, more for my, you know, mental and emotional well-being. I just needed to be at home for those, for those few weeks. And, um, you know, but as I said, looking forward to, to getting back at it this week. Listen, burnout is real. Uh, I play this game recreationally, and there's times in this game where I don't want to be anywhere near a golf club or a golf course. And I absolutely hate it and get me as far away from it as you can because you need to, like, clear your brain and start to miss it and want to get back out there again. Bob, he paid the $3 million fine. The rules are the rules. He didn't whine about it. He didn't complain about it. I have no problem with this. And if the PGA Tour moving forward feels that there's still too much flexibility and they need to 
you know, heighten the penalty, I'm fine with that too. Uh, Rory was part of the committee and, and whatnot to put this all together. It seems he took his medicine. He's back. Are you as good with this as I am? Uh, yeah. First, first off, let's, let's clarify one thing is that he didn't have to pay a penalty. He just didn't get the full amount of his money. He's not money, getting so what's owed to him. I, I always yeah. view that as a little different because I don't have to take it out of my bank account. <laughs> but, and he also has, he also has, that's, that's at the discretion of the commissioner, by the way. So, uh, Rory pled his case, told Jay Monahan what was going on and he'll wait and see. Maybe Jay will give him the money. We don't know that yet. I think, when I read the comments from Rory, I, I completely understood it. And it wasn't just about um, playing golf. It was about being submerged by everything that's going on in golf. And I think if you look at what he's been doing, what he's been trying to do, um, how much he's been kind of involved in everything that's going on off the golf course, and then going into the Masters and being so completely destroyed by what he, how he thought he was going to play compared to how he played... Uh, I don't think it's really a big surprise that he took this. And, and I think it's, we're right to classify this as, as a mental health thing. There's been a number of players over the last couple of years who, you know, significant players who've taken breaks because of their mental health, Aaron Wise and Matthew Wolfe. And there's a number of people in there. And I think this is what Rory sort of said was he was getting consumed by it all. He didn't realize he sort of had to step back and get outside the golf world to become who he really is. And that sounds, I know, maybe a little grandiose, but... Uh, but I, I think it was a wise decision, even if it does end up costing him the, the three mil. Well, I, I, and again, I think it should cost him. I think the rules are there for a reason. And and I think, there, especially considering Rory is the face of all of this, it would be in very poor taste. And it would also not do the PGA Tour any favors moving forward to create a different set of rules for Rory McIlroy. That being said... I agree with Bob a thousand percent, Adam. Everything Bob said, I'm a hundred percent in on. And and Weeksy and I were in the room at the Players Championship when Jay Monahan told us right there in the room that Rory was sitting in a seven-hour board of directors meeting just nights earlier. And it's like, well, hold on a second. Sooner or later, you know, this is going to take its pound of flesh for Rory. You can't be doing seven-hour board meetings and getting ready for the for the fifth major. And the proof was in the pudding with his performance. This is the right thing to do for Rory McIlroy. Does this leave any bit of a sour taste in your mouth, Skulls? Or as long as there's not a second set of rules for Rory and they treat Rory the same way they treat Tyrrell Hatton, are you fine with this? Yeah, if Rory had come out with his comments on Tuesday and if he, if he was abrasive or argumentative, then I would be sour for sure. But because he is who he is... We have to remember, he's a human being, too. Like you said, seven-hour board meetings, doing walk-and-talk interviews during the first round of the Masters. He's trying to do the best he can for the overall growth of the game of golf. And he is one of the best players in the modern era. He really is. And sure, he hasn't won a major in nine years, but he still has all the talent in the world. And we know we spoke about this on Monday when we were speculating why he wasn't play or why he elected not to play in the RBC Heritage. We knew and we spoke about that whenever he did speak to the media, he would be honest, he would be transparent. And that's exactly what he did. So I think in my opinion anyway, he's handled this very well. All right, so we're all in agreement on that. Let's switch gears here to Tiger and Joe LaCava because there's news out of both camps. Before we get into Joe LaCava and Patrick Cantley, let's let's tackle the Tiger Woods comments made by Jack Nicklaus. Um, 
Jack made mention coming out of the champions dinner that at Augusta that from Jack's take, it sounded like Tiger is going through the, these surgeries, these additional measures, the most latest surgery, not, not to, in, in a certain way, uh, kind of tackle what Bob and I were suggesting. And Bob and I felt like, hey, we're just being all selfish, asking Tiger to, to come back and put his body through this again. It's just about being a dad, having a quality of life again, being able to walk. That's how I took it. That's how Bob and I both kind of took it. We're more worried about just him being able to live a good, normal quality of life. Jack was suggesting that Tiger will do anything or Tiger will take measures, or if a surgery makes sense for Tiger, that's going to allow him to maybe play pain-free a year from now or or extend the playing career a little bit further from now. That was kind of what Jack was suggesting, Bob. Did you not get that from Jack's statements? Like, hey, guys, whoa, 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 don't bury Tiger just yet. He still thinks he's playing well enough and the swing's good. This surgery is not to push back the career. It's to extend the career. Exactly what I read, I, and I was shocked based on the comments I got from uh, Ted Shahoda, who's the uh, the podiatrist that I talked to, who said, you know, like his foot's not going to move. It's going to be like his foot's in a in a block of cement. Now maybe Tiger is aware of that. Maybe being in a block of cement is better than being, uh, you know, feeling like you're standing on a bed of nails or something. And he figures he can work some kind of a swing around that. And so I guess there is some hope on the other side when you hear about him parting ways with Joe LaCava, um, you know, maybe that, to me, that almost signaled, well, yeah, you know, I'm not going to be able to, to play. But maybe it's just like he's not going to be able to play much. So Joe's been a good, worthy guy standing by him, and let's give him a free chance. But um, there was definitely, it was definitely surprising, Jack's comments, because it certainly did sound like Tiger is interested in extending the career. Yeah, I think from the Joe LaCava part of this and what Bob's uh, suggesting, if you didn't catch the headline, is Joe LaCava, Tiger's caddy, uh, him and Tiger have parted ways. This is not a bad breakup. This is LaCava going full-time to Patrick Cantley's bag because LaCava wants to be a full-time caddy. And Tiger Woods ain't going to play golf for 12 months. And when Tiger Woods do does come back, this is not going to be Tiger playing five, six, seven times a year. This is Tiger who's going to play likely once or twice a year, possibly three or four times a year. So if you want to be a full-time caddy, that's not the bag you want to be on. So this is, they are friends. This is a clean breakup, etc. Cantley will have Joe LaCava on the bag this week at the Wells Fargo starting tomorrow morning. But Adam, if there's anybody in the world that can reinvent the golf swing and find success with it, even at this age, I would suggest it's Tiger Woods. Because I've been one of those people from day one that has stood on top of the mountain and said, if Tiger kept his ego in check and never left Butch, and Tiger, you know, maybe trained a little smarter instead of, instead of harder, because I think he went a little crazy with the training and the way he trained. If he had trained smarter and danced with who brought him to the ball, which was basically the swing that him and Butch had, because Butch is not a guy who changes much in your golf swing. Butch is a guy that says, okay, what's your golf swing? What do you do well? And how do we allow you to do what you do well more often? How do we tighten it up? He's not a guy that says, okay, we're going to flatten the position. We're going to change this. We're going to change that. Tiger did that after Butch. And I've always said if Tiger stayed with Butch and was just a little smarter, we'd be counting 22, 23 majors right now and likely 100 PGA Tour victories if he had gone down that road. And I'm not alone in that, in that feeling or in that belief. However, 
He rebuilt with Sean uh, Foley. He rebuilt with Hank Haney. Uh, I mean, he's rebuilt so many times. If there's anybody who can find a way to win a golf tournament with their foot in a cement cast, it's Tiger Woods. Yeah, you're right about that. And, you know, I think back to prior to when he had the spinal fusion surgery after the pair of microdisectomies where Tiger was quoted multiple times saying he just wanted to be pain-free. He just wanted to be able to get out of bed. He just wanted to be able to play with his kids. And then after he had that three-month period where he wasn't allowed to really twist at all, he thought, oh, pain-free. I can, I can move. I can actually do this. And I, I think I'm wondering if he's taking his previous positive uh, fusion situation and saying, if I can do it on my spine, I can do it on my ankle. So perhaps Tiger's looking at it that way. Like, I'm thinking back to when Tony Finau ripped apart his ankle, quote-unquote, at the Masters when he played that week with a flat foot. Now, obviously, Tony Finau is an exceptional athlete. Maybe Tiger wants to take inspiration from that and say, why not? I mean, we know Tiger. We know how stubborn he is. He's not just going to walk away. He, wants to, he, he still thinks he can do this, which might be bizarre and unrealistic to some. But for him, it's a legitimate thought. Well, we're likely 12 months away to f from figuring out what we have here with Tiger moving forward. And probably later on this year when we get around PNC time and, and, and potentially Hero World Challenge time, some news and some sightings are likely going to leak. That's typically the annual calendar that we're on now. Uh, quickly, before we go to break, very cool to see Annika Sorensam get a sponsor's exemption to the U.S. Women's Open. That's awesome. She still plays some really high-quality golf. We'll see uh, how that goes. That's at Pebble as well, which is kind of cool, so we'll keep our eye on that this summer. On the other side, we got to flip gears here. It's Wells Fargo. Let's take a look at the field, the favorites. We'll save back our TSN edge picks uh, for later on in the show, but we'll talk a little Wells Fargo as the course quail hollow as well, because I will start the next segment by asking Bob and Adam simply, is quail hollow the best annual stop on the PGA Tour outside of a major? I've got it along with one other golf course, 1A, 1B. We'll do it next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Stealth 2, Stealth 2 Plus, and Stealth 2 HD Carbon Woods. Designed with more carbon for more forgiveness. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by JPSM Golf. Offering Canada's largest selection of electric golf trolleys. Good for your score, good for your health. Visit jpsmgolf.com to find a trolley that fits your game. JPSM Golf, Canada's premier electric golf trolley specialist. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. All right, Wells Fargo, Quail Hollow. Quail Hollow obviously hosted a major championship, the PGA Championship, just a handful of years back. Last year it, had, uh, it uh, hosted the President's Cup which is why the Wells Fargo last year went to uh, TPC Potomac just outside of Washington, D.C., which was hands down the most miserable week of the year. Four days on the ground, freezing cold, sideways rain, spring in D.C. And it's funny because I happened to just take a peek at the weather today in D.C., you know, seeing as we're 12 months out from the last time we were there and today it's 12 degrees 12 degrees in sideways rain so not much better than last year not much better here than here in southern ontario and toronto today 10 degrees in sideways rain but we're back to where we should be 
in Charlotte. Lovely week ahead here at the uh, Wells Fargo Championship. Rory McIlroy is the hands-down favorite. We'll get deeper into the FanDuel odds in hour two. He's at plus 700. We'll also get our TSN edge picks to see if Bob or Adam or I went with the favorite this week. We will see. But guys, where does this fall for you in terms of annual stop PGA Tour outside of a major? So we're basically removing Augusta National from this equation. And for me, I've got Riviera Country Club and Quail Hollow as the best two golf courses on the PGA Tour year in, year out, that we can just go, hey, those are the two best. Uh, though to me, Riviera and Quail Hollow, we can have a major there tomorrow. Look at the last time we were here, 10 under par one, Rory McIlroy, kind of the quasi-defending champion because Max Homa won last year at TPC Potomac. So really, Rory, the last time we were here on this property for the Wells Fargo, he was the only player in double digits, and he won at 10 under par. Bob, what are the two best golf courses on the PGA Tour outside of a major? Is this one of them? I would put Torrey Pines probably in there. I think that's one that uh, that you could consider. If you talk to players, they really love that golf tournament, or they love that golf course. It's It's not a... It's not a jaw dropper, except for some of the holes out by the water. Like it's it's almost out in front of you all the time. It's it's. I think we described this when when we played there that time, Mark, when you got us uh, around there. It's the hardest, easiest looking golf course I've ever played. It's it, and when they grow the rough up like they do uh, at tournament time, it's pretty tough. So I would put that one up there. Uh, Riviera is definitely in there, and and I might even I might even put Sea um, uh, Pines. You know, at Hilton Head. Because that's a different kind of a golf course, and I'm not sure it will be everyone's cup of tea uh, on the PGA Tour, but I think that's just an absolutely marvelous design. So there's a few out there, but there's, there's a lot more that I wouldn't put on any list than, than there are that I would put on the list. Adam, what, what are we missing, and where do you have quail? Well, quail's up there. For me, it's Muirfield Village. I mean, uh, going yes. there for the memorial every week. You, you know what's funny? I was looking back. Do you guys remember summer 2020 when they played Muirfield Village back-to-back weeks? When they changed the course setup? I mm-hmm. thought, looking in hindsight, like that was pretty cool. A lot of the guys stayed there, obviously, because it was in the, the dark depths of COVID and everything that was going on in the world. But to see that course in back-to-back weeks with a totally different setup, I thought that was pretty cool. I would be curious if they played Eastlake at a different time of year what it would be like. It seems kind of swampy and they've flipped the nines a couple times, but they're, I love that closing stretch at East Lake. I liked it more when the par three was the last hole, a la when Jim Furyk went hat backwards like I am right now to sink that putt for 10 <laughs> with the rain coming down on him. I like that too, but Bob, I really like your point about Torrey Pines as well, because you know, like we've seen like when we were there, when Max Homa won back in January, and when, when John Rahm won the 2021 U.S. Open, they can really firm it up pretty easily. But when it plays soft and it's cool, it's also a good setup as well. So I, I would think any of those three for me. So we're going to play the Green Mile this week, which is 16, 17, and 18 at Quail Hollow. And along with the Bear Trap at PGA National, outside of major championships, those are really the two, statistically in the last 20 years, the, the, the stretch of holes that just beat the crap out of the field in terms of relation to par. So it's going to, you know, it is a hard, hard golf course. To Bob's point, which I find so interesting, it's like the hardest golf course in the world, Torrey Pines, that happens to be just right in front of you. To me, there's not a golf hole on the entire property at Torrey Pines that explains 
kind of perfectly what Bob's talking about than the par 412 at Torrey Pines. I mean, if you explain the par 412 at Torrey Pines to people, it's like, okay, so it's a gentle dogleg left to right. There's a bunker at the apex on the right. There might be one a little further down on the left. I can't quite remember. The green's kind of situated just up, but there's really no out of bounds. You've got to blow it like 60 yards left. There's out of bounds, not in play. There's not a penalty area in play. The water is a backdrop. It's not in play. But it just happens to play 500 yards, and it is the slowest climb uphill that is absolutely exhausting. And that hole, take a look at that hole in the numbers annually on the PGA Tour. It kicks the crap out of everybody, including the three of us. When we play that, it's like a par five. I'm like, this shouldn't be a par five, but it just is. It, and it's right there in front of you, and it's hard to explain why it's so hard until you go out there and experience it. The ball goes nowhere, especially that time of year, December, Jan, Feb in, in, in San Diego. I mean, the ball literally travels nowhere, and that's part of it as well. So it's going to be a fun week, though, Quail Hollow. I expect a different golf tournament than what we've just had guys you know someone's going to win this golf tournament between 10 under and 14 under likely that's historically what someone tells what history tells us we're likely going to get one or two possibly three players depending on conditions and weather into double digits but this is a completely different golf tournament than what we just saw at the mexico open and it's a it's a real one-shot golf course you've got to drive it exceptionally well off the tee and that's why Rory McIlroy is plus 700 with his history here. We'll get into it in hour two. On the other side, great announcements out of the RBC Canadian Open. It's going to be at Oakdale this year, just northwest of Toronto. Brian Crawford, tournament director, went one-on-one with Bob Weiss. We're going to hear from Brian next and all the great news out of the RBC Canadian Open. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by JPSM Golf, offering Canada's largest selection of electric golf trolleys. Good for your score. Good for your health. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Visit weathertech.ca. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada's Aquino Weeks. Scully, Brian Crawford, Tournament Director, RBC Canadian Open, Oakdale, the host course, just northwest of the city. Monster announcements this week. We know Rory's going to be back to defend his RBC Canadian Open title. We know the RBC ambassadors will be there in full flight. And if that's not strong enough, this week we found out that Shane Lowry, Tommy Fleetwood, and Matt Fitzpatrick are going to be in the field, the reigning U.S. Open champion. One week before he defends it at L.A. Country Club, Bob had a chance to go one-on-one with Brian Crawford. Brian Crawford is the tournament director for the RBC Canadian Open, and he is a busy man. And, uh, Brian, having a look around uh, Oakdale on Monday, uh, boy, you guys have done a lot of work. When did you start putting this uh, I don't know what you want to call it. This uh, this uh, amazing infrastructure all together. When did when did you start putting the uh, the first bit of stands up? Yeah, thanks, Bob. We uh, we got started back in the fall. We spent about five weeks um, doing the kind of the initial build and and setup uh, back in November into December, uh, so that we could really get you know off the ground running here in uh, March as soon as uh, the weather got nice enough and and we were out here you know setting up before there the snow was even melted off the golf course so uh all in all it'll be about 17 weeks total that uh, we'll be setting up uh, on site here this year now oakdale is a golf course that i think a lot of people may maybe know that oakdale but they don't know the facility itself can you describe the property and 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 what we're going to see when we walk through the gates 
Yeah, you know, that's the thing. It is a, it is a bit of a, been a bit of a quieter club over its history and it's 100 years, nearly 100 years old. Uh, traditional Stanley Thompson design golf course, you know, Parkland style uh, golf course. So a 27 hole facility. So it's a really big property, you know, kind of sig significantly bigger than where we were last year uh, at St. George's. So we've actually utilized 25 of the 27 holes have, of course, the golf tournament on 18 of them, but we've got our fairway fan village admissions, our driving range. We actually built a temporary driving range here, utilizing a couple of holes that weren't in place. So um, a lot of room to spread out, obviously grow as well. Um, and I think it will create a really, you know, fantastic fan experience. You know, the golf course itself, as I said, it's a traditional Parkland style course. It's kind of a little bit unique kind of from the front nine to the back nine. We've collected up a, a composite routing of the three nines to create our championship routing that'll play at about uh, 7,200 yards, just over 7,200 yards. Uh, so the front nine, you've got uh, some holes that um, have some smaller greens, well defended, uh, a little bit more challenging in that way. Uh, then the back nine, you've got some more kind of open straightaway um, holes that are going to really provide some great opportunity for scoring coming in. Uh, you've got the uh, creek and river that run all through the property that creates some some interesting holes and shots. So it's a real um, it's a real shot makers course in that way that the guys are going to have to think their way through. You know, use every club in their bag uh, throughout the course. It's not one that they can just overpower. Uh, I don't know how you topped last year, but, but last year was an amazing event with so many people. I know a lot of people were excited to come back after COVID, but how do you make this event bigger and better than what you had last year, which has to be the, on record, I would think is the most successful RBC Canadian Open we've had. Yeah, I mean, it certainly was last year, uh, our most successful ever. And, you know, that's our goal. Every year, we want to um, do better than we did last year, uh, provide a better fan experience and a better tournament, uh, you know, better television product, all these sorts of pieces. Um, and, you know, we set out to do that. You know, 2018 was an amazing year, one of our best ever. And then 2019 topped it. And then we topped it again in 2022. So it's certainly our goal to, you know, provide the best uh, event that we possibly can. Uh, we've had a lot of growth already this year and, and, you know, we're expecting to do exactly that top it. You know, we focus on the things we control the golf on the golf course takes care of itself. And, and uh, we've got a great field starting to line up to, uh, to challenge uh, for that trophy this year. All right. Let's, let's uh, touch on that. Cause there were some announcements today. Obviously we know that the defending champion is coming back to try and do something that no one else has ever done. That's when the RBC Canadian Open three years ago. That's Rory McIlroy. Who's who's going to challenge him for the title now that we've uh, released a few names anyway? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, of course, uh, you know, Rory coming back and, and defending and, and looking to get a, get a third one in a row would be, you know, unprecedented for the RBC Canadian Open. So, yeah, that's certainly a storyline to uh, to watch out for. Uh, he's going to have a tough test. You know, Team RBC uh, is, you know, probably some of the best young players, you know, on tour this year. You know, Sam Burns. Um, they, you know, they 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 have just been, you know, every week in and week out, those guys have been phenomenal. Um, you know, our Canadian players, same thing. We've got uh, multiple wins on tour this year in the hunt every single week. Um, so we're really excited about, you know, our Canadian players as well. And then just today, uh, we announced three additions to the field. Matt Fitzpatrick uh, coming off his win at the Heritage and, and uh, U.S. Open champion last year. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood is joining the field uh, this year as well. And Shane Lowry. So uh, kind of a real nice international flavor to our our uh, three players being announced today. And then we're, you know, we'd be excited to announce some more players additions to our field over the coming weeks as we lead up to tournament time in June. That's a pretty good accomplishment considering this whole year with designated and non-designated events and stuff where we find ourselves, but congratulations on that. 
The last thing I wanted to talk to you about was uh, obviously the uh, concert series. And uh, and we know that uh, now there's two big concerts coming out. And, and am I right in saying that the concert series are going to take place on the property of the golf course? Is that right? Yes, sir. Yep. Just like we did back in 2019 at Hamilton, the concert series, uh, the RBCX Music Concert Series will take place on the uh, actual driving range. The driving range, the existing one, uh, it wasn't quite sufficient what we needed in terms of space so it becomes our concert series uh venue it's a fantastic kind of a uh, sloped venue that really creates a natural amphitheater so uh alanis morissette will be headlining the event on saturday uh and then on friday night leading into uh, the weekend uh we've got the black eyed peas taking center stage uh with the performances and then both nights uh you know between the end of golf and the start of the concerts for a couple hours down in our fairway fan village we have the Sirius XM stage that's uh, operating with all sorts of emerging artists down there and lots of activities happening down in our fan village with all of our uh, great partners. So, you know, the event is, is a real party and celebration of uh, Canadian golf, music, arts, culture and community. And we're really excited about uh, what we have in store this year. Well, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how you're going to top last year, but I have a funny feeling you are. And uh, congratulations! I know there's a lot of hard work that's gone into uh, where we are at this point. And I think you said 40 days away from from uh, 38, whatever it is. It's 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 sneaking up on us, isn't it? Yeah, it's coming quick, and uh, we're really excited to uh, to be back here for another year. Congratulations, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you at uh, the RBC Canadian Open. Thanks so much, Bob. Brian Crawford, Tournament Director, and congratulations to Brian, the entire team at Golf Canada, Lawrence Applebaum, the, the, everyone involved. I mean, in or, Bob said it, in a year with designated events and, you know, the challenges of putting a field together in between a, the most crowded schedule in the history of the game, um, it's it's a, quite an achievement to put together the, the field that they're going to put together here at Oakdale. I can tell you that Fergalicious will not be part of the Black Eyed Peas. I did a deep dive, guys, into the Black Eyed Peas just to find out if um, Fergalicious would be there. I don't believe Fergalicious will be in attendance, so I'm sorry. I apologize in advance for that. Um, how was Monday, guys? You were out uh, playing the golf course Monday. I... Bob, we'll start with you. I heard nothing but good things about everything involved. I heard that the build-out is quite large. Um, the only thing I've heard that it's question mark suspect, the finishing hole. Other than that, I've got you know five-star reviews other than the finishing hole. So tell us a little bit about your Monday. And then, Adam, same with you. Uh, yeah, it was great. Uh, first of all, I can just tell you that the – the build-out this year is 35% bigger than it was last year, and it was big last year. But now they have a little bit more room than they had last year, so there's um, so they're able to take some of the holes. There's 27 holes there, and I think they have things going on on 25 of them. Uh, part of the, the – well, the range and the short game area is, is some of the unused nine, and then they've got sort of a fan village um, where they're going to have lots of food options and drinking options and stuff. But 35% bigger – this is a great step. Brian told me this. There's 9,000 pieces of furniture going to be on the site as well. And one of the cool things they're doing is they've got a big kind of, um, I don't know what you want. It's a big tent where you can go and get food and beer. And, and it's situated right between the 9th and the 10th. And players are actually going to walk through the tent to go from the 9th green to the 10th tee. Right through the middle of it. They're going to have a walkway through. So you can be sitting there having your uh, fish and chips and eating and drinking a beer and looking over and there goes uh, Rory walking right through to the next tee. So that's kind of cool. As for playing the golf course, uh, I can assure you that the rough is already up and I was told it's going to be at five, five, uh, 
five inches, and they're going to keep it at five inches. The PGA wow. Tour has allowed them to do that. Uh, I would describe the golf course, and I've only played there a couple of times, a lot of elevated greens, uh, a lot of big, meaty par fives that have been turned into par fours. Mm-hmm. The 18th hole is the only question mark on my uh, docket. Now, I played I played fairly far forward because I was playing with uh, Carol Waglin, Lindsay Hamilton, and Tammy Brown, who is the co-chair person. So being um, with three women, they were playing up front, so I, did, I just kind of moved up closer to where they are. At least that's the excuse I'm saying for playing the front tees. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and off, you know, uh, but I don't know, someone like Adam might have a better perspective because I know he played nearly back, but I, I understand that guys are going to hit, have to hit probably irons off the tee on the last hole. It's a par five that a creek runs across the middle of it and you can't get over it, but you, you can't get sort of to, to be short of it and be safe. It's going to be like four iron, four iron or something. Adam? All I know is, guys, is I got a feeling. Sorry, I, was going, I was going to keep singing, but <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I was in the choir until grade five, but we, we won't Are you get replacing Fergie? Yeah, that's right. That's breaking news. I will be doing that. No. Uh, all I, so that was my first time on property. I'd never been to Oakdale before. And from people I was speaking with over the weekend, I heard a lot of mixed reviews, to be quite honest, but I was very impressed with the golf course itself. Like Bob mentioned, a lot of elevated greens. So the the tee box might say one number, but it plays 20, 25, 30 yards longer because of the elevation. I could only recall top of mind one downhill approach shot and it was on the par three 11th. So that's one. The greens are very penal, very undulating, a lot of false fronts. You can really short side yourself a lot. Hint, hint, like I did multiple times (laughs) it plays long and bob you mentioned that 18th hole and i would say the approach shot plays at least 25 yards uphill um and you mentioned how i played that hole so we went all the way back just out of curiosity and the wind was it was howling into our face so i thought you know what i'm just gonna i'm just gonna hit a low hot run or two iron out there and then try to hit a feathery five wood in there and two I might have laid the sod over a two iron just a little bit. So I hit that about 80 yards. And then I hit a five wood over. Uh, so I had about, uh, I had nine iron in I, from 135 yards uphill in the cold. Hit that to 55 feet and then successfully three putted from there. So all in all, I really enjoyed my experience on the 18th hole. I think it'll be a good hole. I, I really do. It's, uh, it'll all be weather dependent too. If it's hot, the ball's going to fly forever. But Who knows? It's June in Toronto. It could be awesome. It could be cold. We'll have to wait and see. And I will say, too, about the rink hole, which is a great setup as well. We'll be there again. I'm super excited for the setup because you'll be able to see tee shots in the background of our set, which is pretty cool. I may or may not have tried to squeeze a four iron into the wind. We played from the back tees as well. Might have hit the grandstand. Might have bounced back into play. However, did hit that to a foot, successfully made my three. I'm looking forward to the experience at Oakdale in uh, about a month from now. Well, I can't wait. We're going to be on the air every day, 10 to noon on radio and TV. Uh, I mean, it's going to be a full week, the biggest week of the year. I'm excited, but I am concerned about weather. You brought it up. It's June. It's Toronto. I remember 2019, Bob and I doing Golf Talk Canada TV on the forward tee of the first hole at Hamilton. We're there shooting that on Tuesday. It was winter. 
Bob and I were freezing on Tuesday, Thursday morning, summer hit, and we had an amazing week. It was wet, but we had an amazing warm week in Hamilton. Summer literally landed two days after we shot Golf Talk Canada uh, that day. And guys, we're two weeks away from a major championship in Rochester. It's winter outside my window right now. Okay, it is winter outside, and we're going to have a major championship in Rochester in two weeks. So let's hope we get some weather cooperating. On the other side, we had an interesting question in our hashtag AskGTC from one of our uh, one of our listeners and viewers that wants uh, to know, is it time for Brooke Henderson to maybe look for some additional coaching and add someone else to the team? We'll get to that on the other side. We'll tee up our two. This is GTC. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, home to 80 great courses, 60 miles of sandy shores, endless dining and entertainment. Visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com to start planning your golf trip today. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada's Aquino Week Scully as we wrap up Hour 1. Uh, we'll get to what's coming up in Hour 2 in a moment, but 20 weeks of TaylorMade continues. And why haven't you signed up? It's GolfTalkCanada.com. GolfTalkCanada.com. It is a weekly PGA Tour fantasy golf pool. It is free to play. We're giving away over $40,000 in tailor-made product. We're doing it weekly. We're doing season long. And then the grand prize is a random draw for anyone who registers or participates at least once. And that grand prize is a custom set through the bag, tailor-made golf experience top to bottom in a trip for two to the five-star Casa de Campo in the Dominican Republic. All you need to do is go to golftalkcanada.com and register for 20 weeks of TaylorMade. Okay, we asked you, our audience, just, hey, if you ever want to jump in with a question, hashtag AskGTC. Bob Garnett says, Brooks Putting's holding her back. Isn't it time she hired one of the top putting coaches to help her? So I'm going to expand on this because Brooks Putting's actually been quite good this year and at the moment it's really been some of her ball striking we've talked about this on golf talk canada television quite a bit that you know her greens and regulation aren't aren't really where they've been the last few outings and we we're not used to seeing uh uh brooke miss you know miss cuts etc so i will expand the question and i will ask bob and adam adam will start with you and then we'll go to bob is it time for Brooke to expand her camp and go outside of her father and outside of her sister and, and maybe seek help uh, to one of the game's best coaches, best swing instructor, instructors, get a second set of eyes, maybe get some new information. Are we there yet? Do you think it's time for, for Brooke to expand Team Brooke? And obviously recency bias would say yes, given that she hasn't played a lot of great golf, but She's had a remarkable career so far, so you can make the argument both ways. For me, a, a fresh set of eyes, a, a different opinion is always a good thing, whether it's your short game, any part, any facet of your game. So I would think just to give a different perspective on her putting in general, I, I think personally would be a good thing. Now, we've seen different 
um, ways for her putting, you know, left hand low, keeping the flag stick in. Now, a lot of that's because her, as you've mentioned many times on this show, Bob, her vision isn't very good. Um, so that could be a couple different ways. Maybe she changes her grip. Maybe it's eye line. Maybe it's how far she's standing from the ball. Any Something different. I, I think a fresh perspective would be good for Brooke. Bob, what do you think? I don't know. You know, she's got such a unique swing. Like, I don't know how you teach that swing. You would never give that to a young, you know, 15-year-old girl or boy standing on the tee somewhere and say, here, drop your hands way down here and then start to swing from, you know, start your turn. So I, I think you sort of have to let her do what she's been doing and she'll dig her way out of it. And if you look at similar kinds of players, I mean, Graham Dillette never had a lesson in his life. Bubba Watson's never had a lesson in his life. And you go through down times and you have to pull yourself out. Now, I will say Graham uh, for a while was seeing short game coaches. He had Gabriel Herdstead, who's a noted short game guy. So maybe there is... A fresh look somewhere but right now as mark said you know the, the problem looks like it's with the irons it looks like it's hitting greens which is usually kind of a forte and i don't know if that's just um i, I really don't know what causes it she probably doesn't even know what causing it but i think it's more of, of something where she just sort of gets the feel back at some point uh standing on the range beating balls her sister of course knows her swing as well as anybody I, and she's a golf professional her father you know, is, is her coach for, for better or worse. But that's the guy who's, who's generated this swing and led to 13 victories and two majors. So I think at this point you could rock the boat a little bit. You could even dig yourself a little bit deeper before you get out of the hole if you go and, and seek out some different uh, opinions. I'm with Bob on this one. I, I think the answers are in the dirt. Uh, I think some time away is not a bad thing. And I think you got to just take, some, take a break, take some time away. The answers will be in the dirt. I'm not huge on uh, adding a bunch of information to the pot and seeking a bunch of advice. As I said at the top of the show, if Tiger had never left uh, Butch Harmon and had to just stay the course, we'd be at 22, 23, 24 majors and 100-plus victories. I mean, uh, reinventing and blowing up is, is, is a scary thing. And there are so many golfers in the history of mankind that we could go through and say they got so far off the path that they were originally successful on, they could never find their way back to that original path. Martin Keimer comes to mind. Podrick Harrington comes to mind, although Harrington's doing quite well now with ball speed as a, as a senior. But I mean, you know, Patrick Harrington won back-to-back majors and decided to change everything and never got back there. So um, if we're six months, eight months down the road, if the rest of this year looks like this for Brooke, yeah, we're going to need to make some changes and we're going to have to seek some additional information. But I think it's a shotgun reaction right now. Let's not overreact to a recent, uh, recent events. Let's reevaluate where we are after a few more majors come the end of summer and see where we're at. I don't think we're having this conversation, guys. I don't believe we're having this conversation come July, August. I really don't. Let's see. Sometimes patience is uh, the key to all these things. Okay, on the other side, Phil Mickelson, Colt Nost. We'll get into that, their little Twitter beef. And five Canadians in the field at the Wells Fargo. We'll take a look at their fan duel odds and what Canadian has the best chance at what should be a ball striker's paradise. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, the golf capital of the world. 
Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Why Picton Mahoney? Visit PictonMahoney.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Welcome back, Golf Talk Canada Hour 2. You're going to hear from Bob, who went one-on-one with Jim Furyk, the new President's Cup captain for Team USA. We're going to do our TSN Edge picks. So much still to get to. Before we jump into this Phil Mickelson, Colt Nose Twitter spat, uh, Scully, five Canadians in the field at the Wells Fargo, Quail Hollow. What are our FanDuel odds telling us, and who do we like here just based out of Team Canada? We'll see if one of them squeezes onto our TSN Edge pick team. But, I mean, lots to choose from, and a lot of them playing well right now. Yeah, a lot of them playing well right now. So five Canadians in the field. Corey Connors, Adam Hadwin, Adam Spenson, Mackenzie Hughes, Taylor Pendrith in the field. Nick Taylor not playing this week as he is waiting the newest addition to the Taylor family, which is a very exciting time for them. As for their odds, Corey Connors has the shortest odds on FanDuel right now at 60-1 to to win outright. All the other Canadians are 170-1 to or longer. But I'll take a look. At their top 20 odds. Corey Connors, odds for top 20, plus 200. Adam Hadwin, plus 440. Adam Spenson and Mackenzie Hughes, both, of course, winners already this season during the fall portion of the schedule at plus 650. And Taylor Pendrith at plus 700. So a lot of compelling odds there for these guys on FanDuel, who, Mark, like you mentioned, are playing some great golf. Adam Hadwin, of course, with the runner-up finish with Nick Taylor at the Zurich Classic of New Orleans. So I wouldn't be surprised to see any of these players really get in the mix this week. Uh, I'm curious, Bob, for, for you, you know, coming back to Quail Hollow for Corey Connors, for Taylor Pendrith, who at the President's Cup clearly didn't have their best stuff, but, you know, whether it was pressure or anything, how do you think these guys do... You know, do they do they forget about what happened in October and come in here with a fresh mindset? What do you think? Yeah, I think there's a few differences. I think obviously you're playing for yourself, not for a teammate and for a team. I think the course setup will be obviously a little bit different. They change tees and pins to try and make it more exciting when you have something like the President's Cup on there. These guys are pros. They know what's going on. They know from week to week what's going to happen on the golf course, and they just have to find their games. Now, having said that, um, we know that Corey's got the win this year, but aside from the win, it's been sort of an up-and-down year. Taylor has been the same sort of thing. He's had sort of a curious year, to be perfectly honest. He's, he's had some good rounds, but maybe not some great tournaments, and I think part of that, um, his coach Derek Ingram told me, was adjusting to being a father, <laughs> which happened in no, late, late last year, I think November last year. So I think that just uh, distracted him a little bit in the first part of the season. But 
I would I would view it as an opportunity more than anything to come back to Quail Hollow, where you are familiar with the golf course, and uh, you know you can you can get your way around there, and I think feel pretty good about about the the past history, even though you didn't perhaps perform all that well. If that makes sense. You know, for me, Bob, it's interesting because you know. I, here we go with the contradiction again. It's a ball strikers golf course, right? It's a, it's a first shot golf course. You can't hide tee to green. But if you're asking me to pick one Canadian flag this week, I'm picking Adam Hadwin. And although he's hit it well and he's checking a lot of boxes, the reason I'm picking Adam Hadwin is, is no reason for his ball striking. He is putting so well, it translates to anywhere you are. I mean, the putting numbers that he, he went through in Zurich, although a team event, but to do it in an alternate shot is even maybe greater than doing it in singles his numbers were stupid at at the zurich i mean they made 130 feet of putts adam was like perfect inside 10 feet it was insane he just kept pouring in putts so because of that that would be the guy if we just had to pick one canadian guys quickly before we move on to phil mickelson and colt knows twitter i'm going adam Adwin. if you had to pick one canadian this week bob who you taking mac hughes I think that he's, it's almost, it's a home game for Mac. And I think yep. uh, he can putt as, maybe not as well as Adam right now, but he can putt the eyes out of it. And he's gained some distance this year. Adam, one Canadian. I'll go Corey Connors. Tough not to like the <laughs> low Canadian. I'm doing it. I like him. Uh, 60 to 1 to win, plus 480 for a top 10, plus 200 on FanDuel. All right, Adam, break down this uh, Phil Mickelson, Colt Nose Twitter spat because I was trying to follow it back and forth, back and forth. And at the very end of this, it ends up with, to me, with Colt Nose inviting Phil on his show and Phil just walking away and not taking the bait. It, it was kind of a weird, squirmish kind of ending to this. Yeah, and I mean, for anyone, whether you're arguing about the official World Golf ranking or whether TJ Brody should be a healthy scratch on social media, I, I don't understand why people get in Twitter spats. There's, there's never a winner. Honestly, you both look like losers when you do it. So these guys clearly have each other's phone number. Pick up the phone, text, FaceTime. I don't care. People don't call each other anymore. I'm really dating myself here, given I'm the youngest guy. Anyway, but come on, just don't do this on a public forum. Anyways, so Colt Nose is going off about the official World Golf ranking. So he put a tweet out, serious question, if y'all are so upset with the official World Golf ranking, if you knew the criteria when, you, when you're starting a tour, why wouldn't you just meet it? Phil pops in, Colt, it's not our job. It's the OWGR's job to rank all the players in the world. Maybe they can do their job in caps and figure it out like they do for multiple tours with hundreds of players, not even close to as good, but that would hurt the PGA's revenue from CBS. Wow. So the leaders won't. And I'm not going to read this whole thing because it went on for probably eight or ten messages. I think the funniest thing, though, was they went back and forth, and they began both tweets when they were arguing, or not insulting, but arguing each other, saying respectfully, and then went on to make their point, which is... The funniest thing ever. It's kind of like when someone says, no offense, but when clearly there's offense involved there. So for these guys, I don't know. And like I, I, I went off a little bit on Bryson DeChambeau, as you'll see on our TV show, TSN 3, 4, and 5 at 1 p.m., talking about the official World Golf ranking. And I, I have to give credit to Phil here because, you know, this guy was 270th in the official World Golf ranking, climbed to 72nd after a second at the Masters. Clearly, he's playing some good golf right now. 
But this is going to be an ongoing thing with Liv, with the official World Golf ranking and what we're going to do from here because, boys, clearly Liv isn't going away. And uh-huh. these players are playing some great golf right now. It's, it's, it is what it is. I am so sick of hearing the whining, though. Bob, I don't know how you feel about this, but I am so sick of the, whine, the constant whining about official World Golf ranking points. Phil is completely wrong right out of the gate in his first statement that it is the official World Golf ranking's job to rank every player. They are. They're ranking every player, including Phil Mickelson. They're doing it under the criteria that they have had for 30, 40 years, since we go back to the late 80s when they started this official World Golf ranking, or mid-80s, I forget the exact year. But they are doing that, Phil, just because it doesn't fit what you want, Phil, doesn't mean they're not doing their job. And again, this is going to be a slow-moving process. Eventually, they're going to figure this out. But it isn't going to land where Phil wants it. At the end of the day, they're going to go, okay, 48 players. Very hard to qualify in or out. It's invitation into that 48. There's 54 holes in a shotgun without a cut. When they award the points, Bob, it ain't going to be what they want. They ain't going to play live golf and qualify for majors. That's never going to happen. So I don't, I do not understand the constant line. I, I thought the lowest part was when he sort of threw this back that it was something to do with the television contracts and said oh, it was something to do with CBS. And, I, I, and look, that could be true, but if you're going to put that out there, you better be able to back it up. And I, I agree with you 100%. I think that it's not, it's not the, the official World Golf's ranking uh, mission to change, and certainly not, if they are going to change, certainly not on a dime like he's asking them to do. You know, oh yeah, new league. Okay, let's get them right in tomorrow. You know, let's let's see what's going on. First of all, second of all, they aren't going to get a ton of points even if they have the current system because the depth of field isn't all that good. And and third, so what happens, Phil, if I start a new league that only has that plays nine holes, gets twenty of the top players in the world, and goes? Does that automatically get ranking just because some of the best players there? It's not the best players that drive it, it's, it's the tour rules and regulations and how the best players compete against each other. I can have 10 great players come out to my golf course tomorrow and they're not going to get world ranking points that's for a tournament. That's just not how it works, Phil. And I think that there's a necessity for him to understand that A, things take time, and B, you have a way different format and we don't know how to, how to do that right now. And C, the official world golf rankings are not being run by CBS or by uh, the PGA Tour, in, in my best uh, estimation, and the stuff that I've seen. And Jay Monahan and Keith Pelley have removed themselves from this process. They did that immediately. So let's get that out there right there, transparent. And let me sell this, because people like, like to hit me up on Twitter and say, ah, oh, Zucchino's hating on Liv again, yada, yada, yada. I also don't want official World Golf ranking points handed out to the TGL League. A year from now, next January... Tiger, Rory, John Rahm, all the best players on the PGA Tour are going to be playing in the TGL. They're going to be playing against a large screen in a stadium, hitting shots, and then moving to a short game area in the center of that stadium arena. And they're going to create a new golf league with some of the best players in the world. And guess what? They're not getting world golf ranking points for it. Why? Because it's a new golf league, new rules, new format that doesn't fit the official world golf ranking system. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Yet, you think Rory's going to be on national TV or Twitter or anywhere else whining that TGL doesn't get official World Golf ranking points? I mean, we need a gag order on some of these guys. I'm so sick of hearing them open their trap. I'm done with the whining. 
Just like to Adam's point, when you get a start somewhere that it means something, play better. That's what Kepka did. I'm not the big Kepka fan. You guys know how I how fond I am of Brooks Kepka and some of the things he said over the years, but I will call it the way it is. Kepka is playing well when he's got an opportunity to play well on a big stage. And he's likely going to do it again in Rochester in two weeks, and Phil is likely not going to do it again in a couple weeks in Rochester. We will see, but that's your opportunity. All right, I need to calm down. I'm, I'm all upset. <laughs> I'm, I'm all upset about this. On the other side, we're going to switch gears. We're going to get the good news. Jim Furyk is one of the good guys in the game of golf. We all know Mike Weir is one of the good guys. Weirzy, he's the captain of the international team next year when we get to Royal Montreal for the President's Cup. And now we've added another good guy on Team USA. Jim Furyk going to bring Team America into Royal Montreal uh, for next year's President's Cup. Bottom had an opportunity to speak to Jim earlier this week when the announcement was made. We'll hear from Bob and Jim on the other side. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. Learn more about their award-winning golf course and growing community. Visit CobbleBeach.com today. Welcome back. Golf Talk Canada, Zakino Week Scully, uh, Jim Furyk. He was named the man that will take Team USA onto Canadian soil next fall at Royal Montreal for the President's Cup. The announcement was earlier this week, of course, Mike Weir will lead the international squad. Bob had the opportunity to go one-on-one -on -one with the new President's Cup captain. And here is Jim Furyk, the new U.S. captain. And uh, congratulations, Captain. Uh, how does it feel to be leading this team into Royal Montreal? Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. Obviously, uh, it was a wonderful call to get from the PGA Tour and, and uh, from some of the past captains. And uh, you know, I'm excited. Um, always enjoyed playing in the in Ryder Cups, Presidents Cups. Uh, actually enjoyed being a you know a captain in 2018, being a vice captain, assistant captain in the past, and and really spending a lot of time with the team and watching a lot of golf. And uh, now it's a new opportunity, and uh, you know I'm I'm looking forward to 24. Uh, you played at the Royal Montreal in the Presidents Cup in 2007. Other than Woody Austin falling into the pond, what do you remember <laughs> about that event? Um, I remember some great fans. Uh, I didn't get a chance to see as much as Mont uh, of Montreal as I'd like. I know it's a beautiful city, and uh, hopefully I'll get a chance, uh, you know, leading up to the uh, President's Cup to get to visit a little bit more. But uh, good golf course. Uh, played there as well, I think, in 2014 uh, at the Canadian Open, and, and uh, Tim Clark uh, beat me down the stretch. Uh, I played a, a wonderful tournament, but uh, he played just a little bit better, and uh, I've got some good memories. It's a good golf course. Um, I, I don't like when people say, like, it's a good golf course for match play. I think Royal Montreal is a good golf course in any format. Um, I'm interested to see if there's been some changes, probably some length added, like like most golf courses. But uh, a lot of good memories. I remember the, the fans. I remember them pulling from Mike Weir in the, in the big match with uh, Mike and Tiger on Sunday in singles. And uh, you could kind of figure out what was going on in that match just by the cheers, the roars. You knew exactly where they were on the golf course. It was loud, and uh, 
I expect a lot of the same. Uh, you know, having Mike be uh, a captain for the international team, I know, uh, you know, he, he carried the torch for Canada for uh, seems like a couple decades. So uh, it'll be uh, be fun up there and, and uh, looking forward to that. As much as the U.S. side has dominated this in the past, that doesn't make your job going in this time any easier, I'm sure. What What is the, the, the toughest part about what you're going to do? Uh, well, uh, you're, you're trying, you're going to end up with a team that kind of gets formed pretty late, correct? You know, the team probably gets settled a few weeks out. Uh, so you're trying to get those 12 individuals to come together as a team, figure out pairings. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things that we have in the U.S. is we have the opportunity to play both the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup every year. So it gives us a lot of symmetry. We can carry a lot of momentum uh, from years past uh, in, into the, you know, into 24. And uh, we've kind of made it a point with the, with the captains uh, to to keep some symmetry to make sure that uh, these guys know what to expect. And, and so um, really... Difficult is just bringing everyone together on a short short notice and and uh, getting ready to play. But uh, you know, I I loved it. I loved it as a player. Uh, we, we don't have the opportunity to wear uh, the U.S. flag on on our chest or on our sleeve very often. Uh, we don't have uh, that opportunity to play for a team very often. You know, once maybe twice a year at most, uh, if you're lucky. And and so uh, I just love that atmosphere, the camaraderie. I grew up playing team sports and. Um, you know, I, I it was a I, I checked it off on my list every year. If I was making a list of goals, uh, top on the list every year was trying to make the Ryder Cup or the Presidents Cup team. How how has the the role of a captain changed? I know you you were talking about when you were in France, and but but you've been a assistant captains. There seems to be a lot more going on analytics, all sorts of things that that come into play now than compared back to the early days of, of this event and the Ryder Cup, obviously. But what how detailed is this job now with different prongs going out in different areas? Oh, it, it is detailed, but, uh, you know, we have a lot of great help as well. Uh, we have a lot of tools, uh, you know, statistically speaking, we have a lot more tools now than we did 20 years ago. So it's it's uh, a little easier maybe to slip some of that in. I think, uh, you know, I'll have four assistant captains. So I'm um, going to obviously choose some, some very knowledgeable uh, guys that have done this in the past. Uh, understand uh you know the the team that we're playing with and so they're they're my eyes and ears out there the one thing the captain doesn't get a lot of chance to do is watch a lot of golf to be honest with you you know we're usually on a par three kind of helping with club selections we see guys go through we see you know we see everyone hit about four shots a day at, at most uh so my eyes and ears are the assistant captains and i always enjoy being an assistant you get really involved with one match uh with two guys you see how they're playing how they're connecting interacting um, and, and then you have to kind of report back to the captain, let them know what you're seeing, what you feel. Um, you know, hey, these guys are on a roll. They're making birdies. We need to get them back out on the golf course this afternoon. And and so, uh, you know, those those assistants will be my eyes and ears. And and uh, and uh, they're going to see everything that I can't, which is, uh, you know, which I'm looking for. You're going to keep your eyes on the PGA Tour, though, I, I guess, in in the next from from now until 2024 absolutely absolutely i i uh, i like to tell a lot of folks from the media that i don't watch a lot of golf which i don't uh you know i i don't uh i rarely on saturday or sunday turn on the tv and watch the finish the tournaments unless i have a dear friend that's in, in the hunt uh that's going to change a lot now from uh for the next uh, 18 months I'll, I'll be watching a lot more golf um uh, you know I, it hasn't been that long since i left the pj tour you know it's been about two and a half years but when I do go out to an event, there's obviously a lot of new faces. And so uh, I'll try to spend as much time 
uh, around the PGA tour as I can and watch a lot of television. And, and uh, you know, I, again, you know, the, the veterans of, uh, of these Ryder Cup and President's Cup teams know all the young players as well. And I'll be leaning on some of those vets to, uh, to help me out. And just to wrap up, you mentioned Mike Weir. I think this is going to be the first time, I'll go out on a limb and say this is going to be the first time that opposing President's Cup captains share the same birthday. But <laughs> it's probably <laughs> what, not a very long limb, yeah. Yeah. What what are your what are your thoughts about Mike Weir and, and the time your guys are going to spend together over the next 18 months, as you said? Yeah, Mike's Mike's always been a friend. I think uh uh, we'll have a great time. Our careers have a lot of similarities. I think the style, the type of game we play, a lot of similarities. Uh, and it was pretty cool. We were able to both win the major championships in the same year in 03. So we went to the Grand Slam together. Um, really, uh, really, I, I think a great person. So I'm happy to uh, happy to do this alongside him. And then going back to Canada, where uh, again we said he carried the torch uh, for Canadian golf for uh, a couple decades and. Now there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of Canadians in the top 50 in the world, and and so an opportunity maybe to have uh, quite a few Canadian players on this team, which would be exciting. But uh, you know, love Weirzy, and I think we'll have a good time doing it together. And obviously, uh, both very competitive spirits, so uh, I know we we'll both want to <laughs> we both want to win. It'll be uh, it'll be a battle, but uh, uh, we'll have a great time doing it. Uh, congratulations, Jim. We look forward to uh, to seeing you uh, here in Royal Montreal, uh, leading leading up to and in 2024. Yeah, I look forward to it. Thanks. I appreciate it, Bob. Great stuff there with Bob and Jim. Uh, Bob, quickly, before we go to break, on the other side, we're going to do our TSN Edge picks for the Wells Fargo Championship. Before we get there, uh, obviously, you can't argue with the selection of Jim Furyk. He's one of the, the most well-liked guys. He has a ton of international experience, both Ryder Cup and President's Cup. He knows Royal Montreal as good as anybody else is. I don't know how much that really goes into this, etc. But I'm curious because, you know, obviously at first glance, people are going to say, well, Mike Weir's under a ton of pressure to end this drought. Like Mike Weir's under a ton of pressure to get something done on Canadian soil. I would argue that Jim Furyk's under as much pressure. Do you want to be the captain that eventually loses this or the streak is over? That's a lot. That's a big weight to carry around. It's a huge weight. I, I actually had that in my list of questions. I didn't get to it, but I was going to put that out there on him. But you're right. It's, uh, you know, they've dominated this event for so many years, for so many sessions. And it's, it's actually last year, if you look at the numbers, it was a little bit closer, perhaps, with one or two swing points here or there. And they came into Sunday with a chance to, to, to pull something off the internationals I'm talking about. But yeah, you don't want to be the guy. And, and I think, I don't mean this in a demeaning way. But I think the U.S. team going into it, not once when they're on the ground, but going into it, the players might take this one a little less, um, with, with a little less intensity than they do the Ryder Cup. And so that can play into the international side. The other part of it is that the international team has really become cohesive, especially over the last two editions with the, with the uh, Ernie L. Shield and some of the things that they were doing now to build that. And, and Mike Weir has told me, and some, some of the people on his team have told me that they're building even new, more ways to do that. So I, I think it's going to be really interesting. And as you said, Jim Furyk doesn't want to be the guy who goes down as the, ending the losing streak. I think the, the biggest streak. challenge, or I want to say the biggest challenge, but one of the biggest challenges before we go to break here, guys, is if we talk about live golf in any capacity, 
Forget the Ryder Cup teams. The Ryder Cup teams have barely been touched by Live Golf. I mean, none of those Europeans past their prime on Live are, are going to put a dent on the European side. The European side's going to look almost exactly the same whether Live Golf existed or not. And to some degree, with maybe the exception of one or two at most, Team USA is going to look exactly the same. It's that International President's Cup team that needs some young guys to really step up and make a difference in the next 12 months to fill the gap of Cam Young, Mito Pereira, Mark Leishman, etc., Joaquin Neiman. Those are the names that are missing, and that's the team that really kind of needs to find some new blood to fill those gaps. That's what we'll be watching over the next 12 months. Okay, over the next 12 minutes on the other side, TSN Edge Picks for the Wells Fargo Championship. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac. Experience Cadillac. Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. Book your tour at cadillac.ca slash live. Welcome back, Golf Talk Canada. Zakino Week Scully. All right, boys. TSN Edge, your home for all your fantasy needs in the world of sports, including the PGA Tour. We do it each week here on GTC for the world of golf with our friends at FanDuel. Who we like in this week, Scully? I'm going to go around the horn with first pick, starting with you, Bob, myself. Sure. All right. Let's do it. Okay. Off the hop here, fellas. I'm all over Victor Hovland this week, who right now on FanDuel is tied for the third shortest odds at plus 1,700 or 17 to 1 with Xander Shoffley, Tony Finau, and Cameron Young. Now, as we know, Hovland, his bread and butter really is ball striking. Seventh in strokes gain total, 14th in strokes gain approach, 11th in scoring average, one thing with him, though, you know, his short game is always a bit of a mystery. But he is someone who gets in the mix repeatedly. I'm waiting for him to break out and win a big event. We saw him in the mix at the Open Championship last year, at the Players' Championship, at the Masters as well. I think a big win is coming for Victor Hovland. And something else of note, too, on FanDuel, Hovland's odds to be the first-round leader are plus 3,400. He's second on the PGA Tour in first-round scoring averages. So something to look out for if you're placing a little wager for Victor Hovland this week. I like Hovland, too. I'll get to that when it comes to my picks. 138th in putting is a little nerve-wracking, but we're playing a golf course where if a great ball striker just putts average, they could likely win this golf tournament. Bob, where are you going with your first pick? Well, you just described my first pick, and that's Cam Young. And T to Green, he is very strong. He's inside the top 20 in strokes gained T to Green, strokes gained off the tee, and strokes gained approach the green. Uh, we talked about the weakness, and that is putting. And he is 183rd in strokes gained putting. However, that's over the course of the season. And if you look right now at where he is, the last three of the last four starts, he's been on the positive side in strokes gained putting, including at the Masters where he picked up 1.29 strokes on the field. So I think his putter is starting to uh, show up. He's still looking for that first win, and I think this would be an awesome place to get it done. Uh, if I had four picks this week, 
I would have Cameron Young on my team. I love that pick, Bob. It took me everything in my in my ounce of uh, of blood not to select uh, Cam Young. Uh, I'm with Adam on Victor Hovland for everything Adam outlined. Um, I mean, he's been a cut machine. He's played well the entire year. He's done everything but win. Um, this is not going to be a putting contest, which helps Victor Hovland at 138th in strokes game putting on the PGA Tour. So when it comes to Victor Hovland, it's kind of like a, maybe not this year, but in a typical Corey Connors type of PGA Tour season where we say, well, if Corey Connors can just be middle of the pack in putting each week, he's likely going to win multiple times. Kind of feel like that with Victor Hovland. If he could just be an average putter, if he could but putt strokes gain putting, 0.00, not gain any putts on the field, but not lose any strokes on the field when it comes to putting. Victor Hovland has a chance to win every time he plays. If he could just be smack dab center, I like Hovland. All right, Scully, where are you going with your second pick? All right, pick number two, Sung J.M., plus 2,900 right now. So a little more value there. Now, we mentioned the International Presidents Cup side not winning, obviously at the President's Cup back in October. But Sung Jae was one of the lone bright spots on that squad. 2-2-1 two, two and one that week, including a win in the Sunday singles over Cameron Young. Now, Im, of course, is one of the most consistent players on the PGA Tour. Almost plays every week. In his last five stroke play events, he's finished T21 or better each week. I think Sung Jae M is someone who will be in the mix uh, come Sunday afternoon. Bob, Bob. I'm going to go with uh, my second pick. I'm taking Xander Shoffley. Now, he has not yet won this year, uh, but he's been inside the top 20 in his last five starts. He's also logged seven top 10s so far this season. He is a guy who is really looking for that win. Uh, the la- This is an interesting number I found when I was looking it up. The last time he missed a cut was the 2022 Masters. He's gone 23 events consistently or consecutively without missing a cut. He's also 10th in scoring average and 7th in strokes gain total. So I think his all-around game is, is pretty sharp. So he's hungry for a win. And he's at uh, FanDuel odds of plus 1,700 alongside Victor Hovland. Same number. And my second pick's going to be almost exactly along the same lines as Weeksy's second pick at plus 1,900 right behind Hovland and Sh- uh, Xander Shoffley on the board. And that's Jordan Spieth. And I'm picking Jordan Spieth, although... Theoretically, this is not a Jordan Spieth-style golf course. He's still erratic off the tee, but maybe not as erratic for Jordan Spieth standards. And I'm going with Jordan for the same reason kind of Bob's going with Xander. If you had to say who's done everything this season on the PGA Tour but win, well, those two names are going to be right up there, likely with Patrick Cantley as the third, as the three names that have done absolutely everything they could possibly do this year on the PGA Tour but secure a victory. Jordan Spieth uh, losing in a playoff at the RBC uh, Heritage just weeks ago. Uh, he's looks spot on with every aspect of his game. It is one swing, maybe two swings a tournament that have kept him out of the winner's circle. I'm going to go with Jordan Spieth every single week on the PGA Tour until he wins because I feel like it's just a matter of time or until he does something completely crazy like miss a cut because right now it's top 20, top 10, top 5 losing in playoffs. He's doing everything but win. I go with the Jordanian. Okay, last picks, boys, Skulls. 
So I have to, before I give my final pick, uh, our social media team put out the post this morning about uh, the boys were having a laugh on Golf Talk Canada uh, and what, what was the reason for that. And you said something on our TV show, Mark, something where you said, like, I'm going to contradict everything I ever believe in right now with this pick. And that was the <laughs> screenshot taken there for people wondering where that was in our show where we all laughed. Anyways, getting to my final pick, I'm going way down the line for some more value here because you know what, boys, I'm in third right now, and I, I got to throw some, some Hail Mary, some home runs, if you will. Keith Mitchell, <laughs> he's my play this week, plus 7,000 or 70 to 1. Now, he's played well here the last two times at Quail Hollow, two top 10s. He leads the PGA Tour in total driving, four top 10s as well this season. And he's played well at the designated events, too. So I think Keith Mitchell has a good chance to get in the mix this week as well. And the last time he played uh, here two years ago when Rory McIlroy won the Wells Fargo Championship, Keith Mitchell was in the final group on Sunday afternoon with Rory. So I think Keith Mitchell is primed for another good week. Bob, who's your third pick? All right. Well, I'm going to do it. Yes, I am. I'm going to pick Rory McIlroy with my third pick. And we don't really know what to expect from Rory, I don't think. Three times at Quail Hollow, though, and he has five other top tens. So you want to talk about a guy who likes this golf course. Uh, so far this year, a win, two other top threes. Uh, but he's also missed the cuts in his last two individual tournaments, and that's not including the match play. But inside the top 10 and four of the big strokes gain category. So I, I like his game, and I think maybe the little break is something that he needed. He's coming in here probably feeling a little bit refreshed compared to, uh, say, the last few events. And if he's feeling good about his golf, golf game and he's feeling good about this golf course, what's not to like? I know he's the favorite. I know the odds aren't tremendous, but I like him anyway. Right, Mark? FanDuel odds at plus 700. And to me, Bob, outside of the uh, outside of Augusta National, this might be the best horses for courses play of the year. This golf course is built for Rory McIlroy. He's the greatest driver of the golf ball in the world. you got to be tiered to green. Um, he is arguably the greatest driver in the game. The record here stands for itself, as you suggested. The only reason I didn't go on him is I don't know where emotionally – or mentally Rory is right now. You alluded to the break. I think the break was the right thing to do. I think hopefully he comes in a better place. I just decided to hold back a week or so on Rory to see where we're at emotionally and to see where we're at mentally. If he was coming in with some form of any kind, I would have been all over him this week if he had showed me anything the last couple of starts. But unfortunately, the last starts have not been good. So we'll see where he's at. And... Uh, Although I said I'm going to contradict myself a lot this week, uh, here's another contradiction. Um, I said last week that he played great this week because he doesn't care. <laughs> because the only thing that can change Rory's legacy is major championship wins, and this is not a major championship. And whether he wills, wins the Wells Fargo or not, uh, doesn't change the way history will look at Rory McIlroy. Okay, my final pick, guys, uh, Jason Day plus 2,900, has not missed a cut this year on the PGA Tour. He is 7-for-7, seven seven, 2023 PGA Tour, multiple top 10s, lots of top 20s, tee to green machine, 
Uh, Jason Day, his last victory on the PGA Tour, 2018 Wells Fargo Championship right here. He was dominant that week, went wire to wire. One of the best performances I've seen with my own eyes, tee to green, uh, ever really on the PGA Tour. And if you had told me back in 2018, hey, Mark, uh, five years from now, Jason Day is still going to be sitting on the same win total, I would have told you you're crazy. And that's where we are. are. Sooner or later, Jason Day is going to win again. So why not here at a golf course that suits him where he's had history before? I like J-Day at plus 2,900. Okay, good luck. And get your uh, Golf Talk Canada 20 weeks of tailor-made picks in. Go to golftalkcanada.com. We just gave you a bunch of information of who we like and why. You need to select six golfers this week, obviously, for the Fantasy PGA Tour pool that we do each week. Got a chance at a Stealth 2-plus driver for the winner this week. It's free to play. Go to golftalkcanada.com. And, and don't forget the FanDuel TSN Edge, your home for all your fantasy sports needs, including the PGA Tour. On the other side, we'll let you know where golf is being played in the world this week. And I am super, super pumped about one particular stop in the world of golf this week. We'll let you know next where it is. This is GTC. This segment of GTC, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management, was brought to you by Cadillac. Cadillac, experience Cadillac. Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the ZG23. ZG23 continues to push limits on lightweight performance footwear with introduction of Lightstrike and Lightstrike Pro technology. They're light. They perform. They're here to compete. Visit adidas.ca slash golf. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Let's take a look at where golf is being played around the globe this week. Brought to you by Bushnell Golf. Bushnell Golf, the number one range finder in all of golf. Go to bushnellgolf.com for all your range finder and GPS needs. The tour, the big tour, is at the Wells Fargo Championship, Quail Hollow in North Carolina. We've been breaking that down for you throughout today's show, but there's lots of golf being played. The Mitsubishi Electric Championship, TPC Sugarloaf, that's an old stop on the PGA Tour, used to lead into the Masters many years ago. That's on the Champions Tour. The LPGA has a bit of a different event happening this week. It is the International Crown Championship, Life Plus at TPC Harding Park. That's a that is an international team event. Eight countries are playing in that one on the LPGA Tour. But guys, the one that I'm pumped about and the one that I teased before we went to break, the Italian Open is this week on the DP World Tour. And where is it being played? Marco Simone Golf Club in Roma, where we will be at the end of this year for the Ryder Cup. So if you want a mini Ryder Cup preview and you want to look at the recently renovated Marco Simone Golf Club and get a little bit of a, a buzz going on this year's Ryder Cup, check out the DP World Tour and some of the coverage this week because you'll get a sneak peek at the Ryder Cup. All right, boys. Uh, Adam, you'll be on Sports Center. Bob, you'll be on Sports Center this week. I'm going off the radar, off the grid, and taking a few days uh, away because uh, I efforted throughout the weekend last week for the Mexico Open. Uh, although I am threatening 
to make my Canadian golf debut for nine holes Friday at the Toronto Hunt Club for our men's opening, followed by our men's opening dinner. So there is a threat. I am registered to play right now at 1 p.m. on Friday for those nine holes. So we will see if that wow. if that sticks or not. Wow. Uh, I'm hopeful. I am hopeful that it sticks. Um, what about some leaf predictions here, boys? This is what I've got for you guys, okay? I got almost a mirror image of the first series. I've got the Leafs winning 4-2. They just lost 4-2. I got the Leafs winning 4-2. And I've got the power play waking up a bit and a very similar game, very similar style of hockey that what we just saw. I think that's what we're going to see throughout the series, regardless of what the coaches attempt to do, I think these teams want to just freewheel it. It's in their blood. It's in their DNA, this type of hockey. But I just see, I just say the flip, uh, the, the script flips. 4-2 Toronto, the power play wakes up. What do you think, Skulls? I said before the series the Leafs would win this in six games, and I am sticking to that. I think it's going to be a little more lopsided. I'm thinking a 5-1 victory. I mean, Sergei Bobrovsky turned to George Vesna on, on Tuesday <laughs> evening. So I, I don't really see that happening again. Although, I'd, like I mentioned off the top of the show, our dear friend Jay Onright likes to say Bobrovsky. So we'll, we'll see if he shows up and does it again. But, you know, the law of averages have to go through. The amount of saves Bobrovsky made, whether it was on Matthews or, or William Nylander, that two on O down the stretch with about a minute and ten seconds left. I'm thinking the Leafs do it five one. The Panthers penalty kills at fifty seven percent in the first round. They can't do that. It's I, I think the Leafs are taking at five one. Bob, what do you like for game two? Uh, I like the Leafs. I think it's going to be a thriller. I think it's going to be like a three two overtime win. And I think it wouldn't wouldn't shock anybody, of course, if Luke Shen scored the winning goal in that game. I think that would be his first playoff goal in, in an extended period, but I think he would, I think that would be a fitting, uh, fitting finish. At least it would be for me. Uh, but I think it's going to be close, but I think you're right. I think they're going to, I think they're going to win this maybe in, in six. I'm, I'm almost, almost thinking maybe like five, because I think they can roll through now. Once they get their best players going, and I think they will now, they'll, they'll get it going, and I, and I think they'll, uh, they'll start taking it to these Panthers. Weeksy By the way, the Leafs Brooks Kepka's, uh, I was just going to say, Brooks Kepka, you know, is a, a big Florida Panthers fan, and uh, he just announced on uh, social media, by the way, that he's about to be a father. So that's a, oh, a, not a bad segment. But I just announced it. Yes, you can say it, Mark. They're rolling. Four in a row they're going to win. That's great. But I was going to say that Weeksy calling the Leafs in five is the, it's the boldest thing we've heard on Golf Talk Canada since I think Scully called Tiger to win the Masters or something. <laughs> no. That's, that was the Hero World Challenge. That Hero was, World that was Challenge. Years ago. That was years oh, yeah. ago. Well, I hope Bob's right because my nerves can't take overtime in a tight series. I, I'm, I'm at my wit's end. So, boys, thanks a great, uh, as always. I'll see you guys on SportsCenter this week. I'm looking forward to next week. We've got a, a few social things we get to do together next week, so I'm looking forward to that. And uh, we'll be back here Monday radio. Don't forget to check uh, Golf Talk Canada TV on this afternoon. Apparently, we're on three feeds, so you can't miss us. You don't want to miss this week's show. We had a lot of fun, a lot of laughs. It was a good vibe. We'll do it all again next week. Don't forget to go to GolfTalkCanada.com and register for 20 weeks tailor-made. It's free. It's fun. you got a chance and 40000 in prizing. And remember, first good decision on the golf course, it always starts in the closet. Thank you for listening.
This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the ZG23. ZG23 continues to push limits on lightweight performance footwear with introduction of LightStrike and LightStrike Pro technology. They're light. They perform. They're here to compete. Visit adidas.ca slash golf. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network.